Have you ever thought about where people come from that God uses? If you go through the Bible, the Old Testament, for example, the prophets Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Haggai, Joel, all of these men of God came from Jerusalem. Zephaniah, Malachi, and Zechariah as well. Amos, the prophet, was born in Tekoa. In Amos chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa. Jeremiah was born in Anathoth. Jeremiah 29, 27 says, Now therefore, why hast thou not reproved Jeremiah of Anathoth, which maketh himself a prophet to you? Samuel was dedicated and brought up in Shiloh. Nahum came from Elkosh. In chapter 1, verse 1 of Nahum, it says, The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum the Elkoshite. All of these Bible characters, and all the way through the New Testament as well, are men that were unique individuals, and God used them in, an in a particular way, men and women alike. So there's some truths we can learn from this. We learn, number one, that God uses people from everywhere. doesn't matter where you're from. I had you fill these slips out tonight and, and, and on purpose because I wanted to read some of these answers. Of course, you didn't put your name on it, so we have no idea who was born where or what their occupation is, but we'll read a few of them here just to kind of illustrate a little bit about what we're talking about. For example, and I won't read them all because we do have a lot, Here's a person that was born in Hattiesburg, and they're a student in college. Now, here's the question. Can God use a student in college that was born in Hattiesburg? Will God use a student in college that was born in Hattiesburg? Here's someone that was born in Louisville, Kentucky. They're a homemaker. Can God use a homemaker that was born in Louisville, Kentucky? The answer is yes. Here's someone born in Mountain View, California. They're a housewife. You mean to tell me God can use a housewife born in Mountain View, California? What about Prentice, Mississippi? <laughs> Surely God can use somebody from Prentice? This person works at Walmart. He stocks groceries, he or she. Can God use someone that works at Walmart? from Prentice, Dayton, Ohio, a stay-at-home mom, a music teacher, a wedding planner. Can God use this lady? Here's someone born in Hattiesburg, retired army. Hattiesburg, a content creator. Newton, Mississippi, that's close to where my brother lives, a case administrator. Whitman, Mississippi, a retired individual. Biloxi, a student. Seattle, Washington, a nurse practitioner. Hattiesburg, co-owner of, well, we know who this is, Sims Handyman Services. Coahoma County, retired. Hattiesburg, cleans houses for a living. A receptionist from Hattiesburg, a retired person from Mendenhall. A medical assistant from Prentice. A preacher from Monticello, Florida. You mean God can use somebody from Monticello, Florida? Does anybody know where Monticello, Florida is? I have no clue. The person that's from there probably does, amen. Pascagoula, Mississippi, a wife and a mother. I think I'm pronouncing this right. Montevideo, Minnesota, retired individual. Here's someone born at home near Lewin, Mississippi, retired. 
Ah, we know who this is too, born in the Manila, Philippines. <laughs> Retired, a rental property owner. And we could go all the way through this list tonight, and every single name is different, or every single place where someone was born is different, and the occupation is different. But let's remind ourselves tonight that it does not matter to God who you are. It does not matter where you're from. It does not matter where you were born. It does not matter what you do, what your occupation is. Can God use you? Can God use me? And the answer is absolutely yes, he can. Now, let me ask you this. Does God want to use you? Oh, with a resounding yes, he does. No doubt about it, the Lord wants to use each one of us here tonight. And God can use us. He uses people from everywhere. You know, they even said that about the Lord in John chapter 1 in verse 46. They said, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Nazareth didn't have the best reputation in the day. Good things don't come out of Nazareth. Well, that's where Jesus came from. And we certainly know how he was used. Some of these places that we read in the Bible, Jonah uh, was born in a place called Gath Hefer. He restored the coast of Israel from the entering of Hamath under the sea of the plain according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he spake by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, which was of Gath Hefer. Who in the world had ever heard of Gath Hefer? Obscure, forgotten, unknown places, and yet God raises people up from places like this. God uses people from everywhere, and God uses anyone. Did you know Uncle Bud Robinson was so poor that when he was born, his cradle was a log which had been hewn out. He had a stammering tongue. He could not read or write. Yet God used him, and thousands were saved. D.L. Moody could barely read. In fact, he was refused church membership by an examining committee soon after he got saved, but his name is remembered. And the names of those men on the examining committee have long forgotten. R.G. Lee came from a farm in North Carolina. He never saw a toothbrush till he was 21 years old. He was not a seminary graduate, but he became one of the greatest pulpiteers in the nation. Dr. Lee Robertson came from a family so poor his mother made him shirts from flower sacks. Led to Christ by an humble Sunday school teacher. God used him to build a great church and a great school. God uses people from everywhere. God can use anyone. Let me ask you tonight, can God use you? Yes. Will God use you? That's up to you. That's up to me. And that, another question, do you want to be used by God? I hope the answer is yes. In order for God to use us, let me give you three thoughts tonight. Number one, we must want to be used. If you don't want to be used by God, Chances are God's not going to use you. Now, I know God uses us when we don't even realize he's using us. I understand that. But if a person does not want to be used by God, say, are there Christians like that? There certainly are Christians like that. There are times in all of our lives where we just don't want to do anything for the Lord. Amen? Shake your head at me so I can hear it rattle. Amen? Absolutely, we're all that way from time to time. We just don't want to do things for God. We don't, don't want to do spiritual things. We don't want to be a spiritual person. We don't want to let God use us like he wants to use us. So we've got to want to be used. I wonder what God could do with one person 
who wants to be used of God and allows themselves to be used of God. There's no end to what God can do. Folks, we understand that God can do anything he wants to do. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. There is nothing too hard for the Lord, the Bible says. He can furnish a table in the wilderness. He can do anything. He can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God doesn't have a ceiling. God doesn't have a limit to what he can do in you and through you and in me and through me. So we must want to be used for God to use us. Number two, we must put ourselves in a position to be used. You see, God, there's a certain position God wants us to be in to be used. And we could talk about many things tonight, but it all boils down to this one position. Turn to Romans chapter 12. And let's read a familiar verse or two. Romans chapter number 12. Verse number 1. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There's a position that God wants us to be in that we must put ourselves in if we want God to use us. And the position is a position of surrender. So I don't have the abilities or I don't have the talents or I don't have the gifts to do this, that, or the other for the Lord. God's not interested in that. Did you know that? All God wants is for you to surrender. There's a whole lot. By the way, the gathering demoniac in Mark chapter 5 where we read, nobody would have thought he could have been used either. But remember the end of that story in verse 20 it says he went all the way to Decapolis. That's 10 cities. He began to publish and he tell, told his friends what great things God had done for him and how he had compassion on them. He did exactly what Jesus told him to do. God used him in a great way. If you go to Mark chapter 7 to Mark chapter 8, when the Lord comes back to Decapolis, you find great multitudes waiting on him. Where did those great multitudes come from? I think I know where they came from. They came from this demoniac who got saved and, who got, and was used of God to tell others about Jesus. It was a great multitude that met him and followed him everywhere he went when he came back. So the place of surrender, to put ourselves in a position to be used, we sing the hymn, All to Jesus, I surrender all to him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. I surrender all. How many times have I sang that song? And I'm singing a lie. How many times have you sang that song and you're singing a lie? And we're in church and that's the, hymn, the hymnal maybe for the invitation and so we sing it. And yet we really don't mean it because we haven't surrendered all. Someone told D.L. Moody, I think it was, a long time ago, that the world's waiting to see what God can do with the man who's 100% completely surrendered to him. And D.L. Moody said, by God's grace, I want to be that man. Is that our spirit tonight? Is that our attitude? Lord, I want you to use me. I want to be surrendered to you. Say, so, well, if I surrender to the Lord, he might call me to the mission field. He might. 
He also might call you to be a nurse. Nothing wrong with either one of them. Well, if I surrender the mission or, or to the Lord tonight, he might call me to be a preacher. Not as bad as you think it is. I remember when I answered the call to preach, it was right down here in front of this pulpit. The platform was a little bit further back, so it's probably exactly right where I'm standing on a Wednesday night, August the 15th, 1990. That tells you how old my wife is, amen. I'm going to pay for that comment, amen. But the Lord had been dealing with me for months, and I didn't know what was happening. So I asked one of the staff men here at the church at the time, I said, how do you know when the Lord, we're standing right here, how do you know when the Lord's calling you to preach? He said, Brother Gary, the best way I know to explain it is this. He says, God will put a desire in your heart that you cannot get rid of. You can't quench it. You can't stop it. It just grows and grows and grows. And the moment he said that, I knew God had called me to preach. I didn't understand anything. Still don't understand much. But I knew God had called me to preach. Well, what if God does call you to preach? I went and told Brother Williams right before the service that night. It was back in the old office back here before all of this renovation stuff. Y'all remember the old building? Some of you old timers, what, what it used to look like. It didn't look like this. He was back there in his office. I think he was eating some garlic or something because he gave it a lot. <laughs> That's an inside joke if you know Brother Williams. But I told him, I said, Brother Williams, I said, something's happened and I want you to know. He's sitting behind his desk. We've got about 10 minutes before church starts. And here's what he told me. I'll never forget it. He said, God's called you to preach. I said, how did you know? He said, I've been expecting it. I said, are you kidding me? He said, watch this. He called his wife, Miss Mary. She was at home. She wasn't able to be there that night. And he said, Mary, I've got somebody here in my office here. And God's called him to preach. You know who it is? She said, Gary Edwards. I had no clue. I guess the Lord had laid on their hearts or they'd been praying. I had no idea about it. I even had a man stop me in the hallway one time. Uh, and when I was teaching the singles class, and this was probably a couple of years before the Lord called me to preach. Teaching the college and career class and this young man came to me and he's not in the ministry anymore and I think about him from time to time and pray for him but he said brother Gary I need to tell you something I said what is it he said I believe God's going to call you to be a preacher I said you're crazy I said I'm never going to do that I said I like to teach Sunday school I said but I'm never going to be a preacher and I was a draftsman for an engineer I was just you know, making a job, working a job like that, and that's what I was going to do. You don't ever know what God's going to do. You don't ever know who God's going to use. And my heart is, is right tonight in this respect. I want God to use me. Don't you? Don't you want God to use you? you know, don't you want to get to heaven one day and someone walk up to you and say, hey, God used you. You never met me, you never knew it, but God used you. Your life, your testimony, your witness. I saw you when you got in your car every Sunday morning with your family and you backed out of the driveway all dressed up and you were going to church. 
I saw you when you came in. I saw you when you went back on Sunday night and when you went on Wednesday nights. I saw it. You never said anything to me. I never said anything to you, but it had an impact on me. By the way, your kids see that too, don't they? Sometimes our children stray from us, but they don't forget. God can use you. But we must want to be used. We must put ourselves in a position to be used. We must surrender to the Lord's will. Lord, whatever your will is, say, well, Lord, I don't understand much about the Bible. That's okay. Just surrender what you do understand. Well, Lord, I don't have much. That's okay. Just surrender what you have. Well, I don't have very many gifts or talents. Okay, just surrender the talents that you do know you have. Folks, all God's looking for is somebody willing to be used who wants to be used and puts themselves in a position where they can be used. Every little boy in our church, every little girl in our church, every teenager in our church, God wants to use you. They're not here tonight. Most of them are in the back. But as those workers and those teachers are ministering to them and teaching them about the Lord and about the Bible, God wants to implant that into their heart and their minds and use them for his glory. God wants to use all of us. There's not a person in here that God doesn't want to use. We must want to be used. We must let ourselves be put in a position or put ourselves in a position to be used. And number three, we must let God do the work. Let God do the work. You know, we miss it right here sometimes. We want to be used of God, and so we surrender. We say, Lord, here I am. Send me. I want to be used. And then we try to live for the Lord in the energy of the flesh. And we make a huge mistake. The Bible says the flesh profiteth nothing. What happens when we serve the Lord in our flesh? And by the way, it happens all the time. A lot of church work is done in the flesh. Amen. A lot of preaching is done in the flesh. A lot of Bible reading and, 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 and witnessing and, and all the things that are good things, nothing wrong with it, done in the energy of the flesh. The Bible says that the judgment seat, all that stuff is going to be burned up. won't be any reward for that. The dangerous thing when you live in the energy of the flesh and try to serve God in the energy of the flesh is that you may have some measure of success. You might see someone get saved. You might see someone be helped. And then we begin to think, well, this is the way it works. I just work and I serve and I work and I serve and I work and I serve and we do it in the energy of the flesh and we have some results, yes, and thank God for the results, but how much more results could we have? if we had the power of the Holy Spirit of God on us. That's why the Bible says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. God wants us to live in the power of the Holy Spirit by yielding to him and allowing him. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's supposed to be through Christ it's Christ through us. The verse I mentioned earlier, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, now unto him that is able. Folks, God is able tonight. 
God is able to use you and God is able to work. Not God was able, but the Bible says not unto him that is able. God is still able tonight. God is still in the saving business tonight. God is still in the life-changing business tonight. God is still in the, in the restoration of homes and marriages tonight. God can still do all. He's still in the healing business as well. God is able to do. Not think about or plan, but to do, it says. In other words, God can. He's able to do, and the Bible says, exceeding abundantly. Uh, those words mean greater than, more than, way beyond what you think. And it says above all that we ask or think. We can't even imagine. We can't even ask it. We can't even articulate it into words what we want God to do. God can do much, much, much more than that. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. God can use you in your home. Husbands, wives, young people. God wants to use you in your home. God can use you on the job. We work side by side and shoulder to shoulder with men and women that are lost and going to hell. And so many times we get so wrapped up in work and busy that we fail to tell them about the Lord or even hand them a gospel tract. I remember when Perry Howard was attending here. Many of you remember Brother Howard. He still lives in the area, lives in Purvis. His daughter came to church on the bus. Jessica, is that right? The oldest one. It's not, it's not Jessica? Huh? Speak up. Melissa. Melissa? Was it Melissa? See, she wrote the sermon, so I'm making sure I've got the notes right. Amen. That's why I'm doing that. But one of his, one of his kids, okay. Remember those old tracks that said on it, if you died right now, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Just a plain, off-white colored track. You'd open up, it'd have the Romans Road in it. Well, she left them everywhere in the house. She wanted her daddy to be saved. He was a wicked man, lost man. <laughs> he picked up that track in the bathroom, of all places. Some of you heard this testimony. And he got saved in the bathroom. <laughs> Reading a generic Romans Road, simple plan of salvation type track. And what happened that day? Perry Howard was also changed. And God began to use him. And many of you in the bus ministry know he was a faithful bus driver for a long time here. God can use anybody. He wants to use us in our homes. He wants to use us on the jobs. Hey, he wants to use us in our church. Say, so, well, how can I be used in the church? Well, if you don't know how, ask the preacher. He can find something for you to do. I promise you there's more to do than he can get done, than this staff can get done. And that, that goes for all of us. There's always someone that we could encourage, we could pray for, we could help. We just read a prayer bulletin tonight with dozens and dozens and dozens of names. And these are people, these are real people who have needs and burdens. What if we contact them this week and said, hey, won't you know I'm praying for you? We love you, and if there's anything we can do to help you, let us know. Folks, something as small as that is maybe it seems to be insignificant goes a long way to encourage people. There's so many ways that God wants to use us, and I don't have time to cover all of them. 
But I believe the Lord can use us to help change somebody's life. If we'll let the Lord, if we'll surrender to him and let him use us in his energy, his strength, his power. I want to close with this illustration. This is a true story. Teddy Stallard certainly qualified as one of the least disinterested students in school. Musty, wrinkled clothes, hair never combed. One of those kids with a deadpan face, expressionless, sort of a glassy, unfocused stare. When Miss Thompson spoke to Teddy, he always answered in monosyllables. Unattractive, unmotivated, and distant. He was just plain hard to like. Even though his teacher said she loved all in her class the same, she knew she wasn't being completely truthful. Whenever she marked Teddy's papers, she got a certain perverse pleasure from putting X's next to the wrong answers. And when she put S at the top of the paper, she always did it with a flare. She should have known better. She had Teddy's records, and she knew more about him than she wanted to admit. The records read, First grade, Teddy shows promise with his work and attitude but poor home situation. Second grade, Teddy could do better. Mother is seriously ill. He receives little help at home. Third grade, Teddy is a good boy, but too serious. He's a slow learner. His mother died this year. Fourth grade, Teddy is very slow, but well behaved. His father shows no interest. Christmas came, and the boys and girls in Miss Thompson's class brought her Christmas presents. They piled her presents on her desk and crowded around to watch her open them. Among the presents, there was one from Teddy Stallard. She was surprised that he had bought her a gift. Teddy's gift was wrapped in brown, wrapped in brown paper and held together with scotch tape. And on the paper were written the simple words, For Miss Thompson, from Teddy. When she opened Teddy's present, out fell a gaudy, rhinestone bracelet with half the stones missing and a bottle of cheap perfume. The other boys and girls began to giggle and smirk over Teddy's gifts, but Miss Thompson at least had enough sense to silence them by immediately putting on the bracelet and putting some of the perfume on her wrist. Holding her wrist up for the other children to smell, she said, doesn't it smell lovely? And the children, taking their cue from the teacher, readily agreed. At the end of the day, when school was over and the other children had left, Teddy lingered behind. He slowly came over to her desk and said softly, Miss Thompson, Miss Thompson, you smell just like my mother. And her bracelet looks real pretty on you, too. I'm glad you like my presence. When Teddy left, Miss Thompson got down on her knees and asked God to forgive her. The next day when the children came to school, they were welcomed by a new teacher. Miss Thompson had become a different person. She was no longer just a teacher. She had become an agent of God. She was now a person committed to loving her children and doing things for them that would live on after her. She helped all the children, but especially the slow ones, and especially Teddy Stout. By the end of that school year, Teddy showed dramatic improvement. He had caught up with most of the students and was even ahead of some. 
She didn't hear from Teddy after school for a long time. Then one day she received a note that read, Dear Miss Thompson, I want you to be the first to know I'll be graduating second in my class. Love, Teddy Stallard. Four years later, another note came. Dear Miss Thompson, they just told me I'll be graduating first in my class. I want you to be the first to know. University's not been easy, but I like it. Love, Teddy Stallard. And four more years later, Dear Miss Thompson, as of today, I am Theodore Stallard, M.D. How about that? I want you to be the first to know. I'm getting married next month, the 27th to be exact. I want you to come and sit where my mother would sit if she were alive. You are the only family I have now. Dad died last year. Love, Teddy Stallard. Miss Thompson went to that wedding and sat where Teddy's mother would have sat. She deserved to sit there. She had done something for Teddy that he could never forget. God used Miss Thompson in the life of a young boy named Teddy. There are so many ways that God wants to use you and use me. We too can become agents of God. We are ambassadors for Christ to help others. I think I mentioned to my Sunday school class Sunday that, and I've said it before, we should be kind to everybody because everybody's having a tough time. How many ministry opportunities do you and I overlook in the course of a day, in the course of a week, in the course of a month. I honestly believe that one day we'll give an account for all of that. I'm convicted tonight. I want God to use me. But sometimes, and that many times, I get in the way. <laughs> There's sin in my life, maybe, or I just get cold or indifferent. Can you relate with that tonight? May God help us. Can God use us? Yes. The question tonight is will God use us? It's up to us. There's no shortage on God's end. He's ready. Are we ready? Our theme is ready. Preach the gospel to every good work for the Son to come to return. Let me ask you tonight are you ready? to be used of God. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you tonight for...